Welcome to Panelism, a podcast where we talk about the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. I'm Taylor Trask. And I'm Todd A. And welcome, everybody, to another episode. It is uh, Sunday night when we're recording uh, because of a number of reasons. I just got back personally from the uh, Hard Cider Fest in Peonia, Colorado. Had a lovely little time. That is a yearly tradition for me. Um, just just got back into town, so we weren't able to record this morning. What's your hangover level? Uh, <laughs> not so bad. The, the nice thing about this festival is that uh, in addition to uh, you know a, a river of cider that never stops, there is some of the best food you will ever have. Oh, it, wow. I like to say that this whole event is like mainlining autumn into your veins, like a drug junkie. Like it's just you, it, it. Everything about it is just an assault on the senses. Is this where you've gotten that like apple whiskey thing? Yes. The oh my pomo. god. Yeah. So if you're ever oh in god. Western Colorado, there is this stuff called pomo, which uh, the best way to explain it is if you've ever wondered what like a apple cider bourbon would be like. It's this. It's it's sort of distilled in the same way bourbon or whiskey is, um, but it is a, it is cider. But the proof is very high. It is very much you know meant to be a sort of uh, you know like bourbon glass kind of drink. You don't want to just down it. It's you know hot, and, more expensive, but it's delicious. Yeah, and as I recall, your pitch when you served this to me was it, it's bourbon, but it's like the smoothest bourbon you've ever had. Yep, and I'm pretty sure you just served it neat. yep i did yeah that's right and i couldn't believe it like i was just prepared like man i'll you know if it's just a a whiskey neat i'm you know i I, i'm not i'm not going to enjoy it but this was unbelievable stuff and you trust you got some well that's high praise because you've spent time in london you've been a bartender but i'm not like a whiskey drinker you know by any means it's i always have whiskey with like some kind of mixer you know like a yeah jameson's and ginger or something like that but not um yeah, not neat. <laughs> How was your weekend? What, what, what are you up to? Uh, very, it was very active. Uh, um, again, maybe an autumn weekend like you described. It doesn't quite feel that way weather-wise in California, but, um, uh, you know, Halloween party, uh, some monster music, um, you know, some some alcohol. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you do Halloween uh, party, or is it just more just your the ambiance that you had going in your uh, your homestead? Oh no, no, they're at the at the Halloween party, uh, ah, dr- okay. drinks and monster music and um, the Elvira movie and uh, oh, nice, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been uh, that for ages, <laughs> I still have not actually absorbed it because I saw the first couple of minutes and then I saw you know the end of it both subtitled and was like what how did we get here what (laughs) so yeah i may have some uh i also there's been a couple a couple things uh uh gestating over the weekend so i may have some i'm not like big announcements or something just like fun new stuff i'm doing in the next couple weeks which i will tell you about fantastic well if you're listening to this uh we just had an election todd and we're talking to you from the past so we don't know what happened exactly um, I hope I hope it was good for everybody. <laughs> I hope it's positive. Oh my gosh! I hope, I hope we're not on a two-year binge of just accusations and and uh, investigations and double talk. And I, so I, I hope I hope that this podcast is finding you uh, post-election in you know a state where you're a little less stressed out about things, whoever you may be, wherever yeah. you may be in the world. Um, that said, my pick this week is 
semi-appropriate, I think, given uh, all the recent stress and strife and sort of, you know, disorder along racial lines and xenophobia and just all these kind of things that have been in the news for the past couple years um, are very much a part of the graphic novel I picked, Todd. And oh, Lord. That, yeah, yeah, get ready. This is this. If you are a listener of the show, uh, this is going to tick all my usual boxes. This is an independent book. It is, uh, you know, very, it's very topical, but very timeless at the same time. You know, this could have easily come out in the 70s. This could probably come out 20 years from now and still be just as relevant. Um, and it is by a totally, I think it's a new writer, as far as I can tell, and a fairly new uh, creative team published by Image. It is a book titled Infidel, written by Pornsik uh, Piachote, illustrated by Jose Villarubia and Aaron Campbell. came out this year. It originally aired, <laughs> aired, originally released as a series of single issues, um, five to be specific, and then later collected as a trade paperback. That is out now. It came out, the trade came out in September. I bought it digitally. And I'll get into that more uh, as to why in just a minute. But uh, just a fantastic, just fresh take um, on the old haunted house story. So this is a little, you know, we got a little Halloween in here too. And that's, I, I think I read it for that reason. I, yeah, I read it for both reasons of Halloween, but also I knew the election was coming. So I kind of wanted something to, you know, remind me of the times in which we're living. Um, and this is definitely one of those books. I'll give you the back of the cover uh, treatment first. It starts off by saying, a haunted house story for the 21st century. Infidel follows an American Muslim woman and her multiracial neighbors who move into a building haunted by entities that feed off xenophobia. Best-selling author, or editor, porn... Oh, he's an editor at first. Porn yes. sex, uh, Piachote, who edited Swamp Thing, Day Tripper. Interesting. I never knew, to, knew that. Uh, Day Tripper in the unwritten makes his comics writing debut alongside artist extraordinaire Aaron Campbell. Um, who did The Shadow, James Bond, Felix uh, Leader, and award-winning colorist and editor Jose Villabiera. I think that's or Villarubia. Um, Batman Year 100, Spider-Man Reign, etc. Uh, and then some uh, letterer and some other folks too. Um, they finished by saying, believable horror that's as unsettling as it is beautiful to look at. And then brilliant horror with a terrifying contemporary resonance. This feels way, way too real. Uh, that's by Mike, a uh, quote by Mike Carey, who wrote Lucifer. So... A fantastic, fantastic little pick. I would say, I'm going to jump to the end and say, if you like the movie Get Out um, or some of the John Carpenter sort of, you know, terror, you know, horror movies of the early 80s and, you know, even even something kind of like uh, Hellraiser to some extent um, in terms of like the creature design, you're gonna like this. I think. I think the Get Out comparison is the most apt, though, because this is a this this is as much a a horror movie that the you know like you know in a lot of these sorts of stories, the person of color is either you know the wise friend or the sacrificial lamb or like you know the the the, the wizard who you know shows them the way. It's never the main character usually. So Get Out when it came out really you know flip that on its head it is a you know the nature of the story can only happen to a black person same thing with this the nature of this story can only happen to uh specifically in this case a, a muslim woman but you know people of color uh in throughout the book sort of have a, 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 a stuff happens to them that would not happen to a white person 
let's just say. Um, so I would say like in uh, in Get Out, I, I feel like there's a, one of the special tensions there was that to a white member of the audience, it you could read it as like an analogy of racism. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is a horror movie about, you know, like the they're they're using their the racial dialogue as like a, a you know like i said like an analogy like a mechanism or something but i would assume to like a black audience it's like no this is actually real yeah yeah <laughs> is I, there a similar mechanic at work in infidel where y- you feel the horror more as you put yourself in uh the uh the muslim woman's you know perspective definitely um you know whereas getting out it's going to sound weird to say get out. Could that, that story theoretically could actually happen in the real world. Um, It's, you know, it's kind of a heightened fantasy to some degree, but nothing is out of the realm of possibility. You know, there could be this weird white family who sends their daughter to, to go get a, I mean, that could happen. That could actually happen in the case of infidel. uh, Not so much because it's a haunted, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a haunting ghost story demonic possession kind of story um not you know there's a supernatural element that's not at play and get out but to your point it is if you think about it as, if you just read it from a you know bog standard white person's point of view it's it's a thrilling story if you put yourself in the shoes of this woman and her friend which this the book does a really good job of giving you that perspective um it they really thread that needle really nicely you feel you feel her her pain throughout this whole thing you feel what it's like to be in her shoes. And I think even more so because when you see some of the horrific stuff that she sees as a result of living in this apartment building, it's, it's unsettling. And I think part of the point was I want, you know, as from the writer's point of view, I want a non-color, you know, it's a safe audience. It doesn't necessarily have to be a, a exclusively white audience, but you know, you could be a person of color living in a very safe sort of upscale neighborhood where you don't have to deal with this kind of stuff necessarily. He wanted everybody to feel the sort of visceral nature of being under attack by this, by xenophobia, by fear, by loathing, all of these things. So the, the themes and the story really are about, you know, the whole thing is kind of metaphor, but it's also, it functions really well as a, um, as just a grounded, you know, you know standard horror, you know, uh, ghost story, horror story. Definitely not for kids. I would never give this to anybody under the age of even 18. Um, you know, I'm sure teens could handle it, but it's, it is it is a challenging look, uh, to say the least. Is it because like is there gore or is it really just totally the subject matter that makes it uh, both R rated? You, you <laughs> a reader who has the maturity to understand the point mm. made, but it's also there is some imagery that is you know ring level where it's just it's it will mm. stick with you. So if you are you know if you're a mind who isn't used to that like this it's get ready because this is some of the illustrations really. Like I said, the the Hellraiser comparison. If if you know, if think about just the, the outside of Pinhead, you know, the iconic, the the main guy, yeah. like some of the other you know creatures that are, appear, they're disturbing to look at. Much much the same here. So um, are they? I mean, without I yeah, sorry to ask a question that yeah, leads no, into no. spoiler territory, but when it says like it's the building is haunted by entities that feed off xenophobia, is it? Uh, are we meant to believe that the like, or do you know that those are definitely like entities? They are definitely entities. Okay, they, so they it's, have, it's they, they yeah. are threatening and they can kill you. Okay, uh, yeah, it is uh, definitely that. So uh, the book starts off the. the I don't want to get too much into the naming, you know, the names of people because it's the, 
there's a lot of names. There's a lot of kind of, there's a couple main characters, but there's a lot of sub characters. And I think it's going to get convoluted if I get too far into that rabbit hole, but there is a main, basically the story starts off. There's a, there's a, the primary antagonist is this young Muslim woman. She's married a guy whose previous wife died and he and his daughter basically bring her in. Uh, the daughter has a really great relationship with this woman. You know, she's kind of the stepmom. She didn't know if she was going to do it at first. And, and it's, it's working out one wonderfully, the guy's mom is the first sub character we meet and it becomes clear that the mom is not really a fan of his son's new wife. And she's not overtly racist, but it's the first kind of example of that. You know, just that it, it's almost subconscious in a way. Mm. She represents that version of white America that, you know, will act very nice and polite you know, outwardly towards somebody, but still harbor that kind of suspicion and fear. And so it kind of kicks things off where you're, you're immediately thinking, well, is she, what, what's her stake in all of this? And every new character you meet, you kind of, you're trying to piece it together in your head and it always takes a left turn, which is really satisfying because you think, oh, this is how it's going to go. And immediately something happens that just throws all that out the window. So I love that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but this woman, the apartment they moved into, uh, and this gets convoluted too, which is why I'm trying to stay light on detail in terms of, you know, names and all that they move into this apartment complex in new york and previously uh, a muslim man lived there who everybody says you know uh blew up a bomb and it took out one of the floors the only reason the apartment's still standing is because it was built when all the floors were concrete and not wood so you know that a, a blast like that could be self-contained essentially and mm. not um and it was weak enough where it didn't take out like you know the the main pillars and stuff like that. So the fourth floor, I think it's the fourth floor is, um, you know, a lot of people died during that blast, but a lot of people who lived in the apartment during that time are still there. So, um, you know, they're, they're highly suspicious of this woman and this woman, you know, she's the moment they move in, it's, you know, she's creeped out. You're introduced to this apartment right away. And you know, they do a really great job of building the fact that this is not some, some place anybody should live, let alone this woman. Like it's, Everything about it just seems antagonistic towards her and just, you know, good hearted people in general. I would not, you know, just it's creepy as hell. And right away, you're introduced to the, uh, you know, the, the entities that live in this place. And they are the, the embodiment, the personification uh, of racist, racism and hatred and xenophobia. And they are just as dark and twisted in the physical sense. The, mm. the, they're manifest as those thoughts and ideas are. Which is why it's again it's a great metaphor. It's like you know, you're looking at this going, I am sickened even looking at these things. And you get a if you look at the covers um, oh of the God, book, no you, you get a sense of that. Like the covers do a great job. Um, and in fact, it's worth even though I bought this as a collection and on digital, I, you know, it would be worth collecting the single issues if you're a horror fan, just because the covers are really well thought out, especially for the the story. But I would I would advise you to look at if you're like, well, what is he talking about? Like how creepy are these things? Uh, cover number three and cover number five really give you the idea of of what those things look like. They are they're pretty accurate. So she you know she's in this haunted this haunted apartment. She's the only one who can see these things at mm -hmm. first. As the story progresses, you realize other people might be able to see them too, or maybe see glimpses of them. And these things they they aren't just phantoms. They can physically interact in her reality. They can make her do things. They can, you know, like they can influence her. They can physically harm her. Um, and you realize that these things are fueled in large part by the fear and anger of the people in this apartment after this bomb went off. But you also realize that this bomb going off 
could very well have been uh, uh, provoked by these entities as well. So you, it's not quite clear where you know where they actually start and end in the story. Um, especially after the book ends, you think yeah they they kind of leave it open for more even yet. So mm. it just that I, I like that that's you know it's it's sort of abstract. It's not like you know you know some guy said a magic spell and they're all here. You know they they kind of try to they do a little bit of Egon explaining. You know what you know it's like. Yeah, at one point there it was thought that there was a dark dimension straddling our own, and like mm. every so, like they kind of give it the uh, what's the what's the book in Ghostbusters that they quote a lot? Oh, I'm, I'm Charles Wesso is going to hate me for not knowing. I know, that. I can't believe I can't think it's, of this. I know it's token spirit guy. There we go. God, yes, token, to, yeah, something like, like to, so. It's like it, there's kind of like that a little of that baked in just to kind of give it a little bit of sort of examination but for the most part i think it is the entities aren't meant to they're just the ideas that they represent are are sort of what manifest them well is it about does the story become about them defeating the entities or literally just like escaping it yeah it starts off as the former and turns out the latter um yeah. you know and and at some point uh you meet her really good friend who enters the picture in a major way and, and almost becomes the main character herself for a little while um it, when, every time you think you have any of these characters figured out you don't so it's it keeps it's a little disorienting the only character you really know for sure about is the main muslim woman that you meet in the beginning mm. uh, she stays completely consistent and there's some really touching things between her and her friend especially at the end that are just really well done um but the just this the, the book becomes survive just survive yeah. this experience as best you can well just but, you describing it and reading that back cover copies like my my brain sort of wants to solve the puzzle of like the you know the analogy versus just the horror mm -hmm. uh uh, motif or like just the idea that there's there are entities that feed off xenophobia so presumably they are strengthened when there is more xenophobia like or racism present in the building mm -hmm. is such an awful metaphor or what you know whatever analog for like our society you know that oh, feeling I'll of like another, i'll add you another dimension that'll make it even sicker they're also strengthened by the fear and weakening of the main character. So as she gets uh, more scared and more paranoid, they get stronger. So it's it's a it's a double whammy. And it's just like, you know, you think about how the people who try to put these these notions into policy or into just their yeah. everyday lives, like the strength they get when they when they win. You know, when they win, when they are able to you know, put some of these terrible things in play or, or convince people to follow them into these pursuits. It's like they get more strength off it too. So it is, it is, it, I'm so glad you picked up on that because it is unsettling in that way. Yeah. Um, and it just makes you, you know, people like you and I, and most people, I shouldn't put us in some special group. Most people, you know, you will want to root for the main character even more because of it. Yeah. You, know, you want her to do something badass and vanquish these things. And, I don't want to spoil anything in that regard, but like the, you wait a while. Yeah. And you, you keep kind of waiting thinking, Oh my God, what is this? How is this going to end? <laughs> you know, like you really, your hope kind of gets dashed for a little bit here and there. And it's, it's, you know, that makes it more gripping too. Every time I kind of thought I had this book figured out and I was like, okay, well this was good, but I, I know where they're going. I'm just going to kind of fast forward through every time I got to that point, they shift it again. They go, they take mm -hmm. another left turn. So they really, I mean, and, and, and 
I wouldn't, God, I would not know. This is uh, kind of like last week um, or last episode I, I did. I, I would not want to consume this as single issues. Um, in, in that, like you wouldn't want to wait a month between. <laughs> no, no. And they did yeah. come out. A month. I mean, fortunately they, it finished in a single run. It's not like they waited for, you know, after issue three and they're like, we'll be back in six months. Yeah. As is sometimes the case. No, they, I just, I, that would be so disjointed. Um, it would be like, it would literally be like watching get out in small chunks. <laughs> it's just like, you can't. You can't do it. You know, like every time he, you know, and get out every time she hypnotizes him. Imagine if their you know, credits just start rolling right after that. Yeah. Next like, time oh, on get no. out. <laughs> um, it's just, you, you, it needs to, you need to keep that. You need to be invested in the story start to finish in one yeah. sitting. Um, especially like, again, this was a great Halloween pick, but man, it, it really wires my head to think about the election before. And then, you know, after you, when this airs after it's just, it's, you know, where, when you meet people like this, or you hear people like who of all colors, you know, there's at one point later on in the book, there is an Asian woman who lives in the apartment with her husband and she's even distrustful of our main character. Mm -hmm. And her friend. like, so it's, you get to see, it's not just, it's, this is in no way, shape or form a shame on white, uh, shame on you white people book. That's not the point. This is, uh, there are, there are some of us out here who have gone through this we want you all to understand the, what this feels like, because I don't think you know you, even the people who are sympathetic to to you know folks in this you know, people who are oppressed or people who experience racist you know sort of antagonism. You know those of us who are sympathetic, it it still is not enough for us to feel what it's like. And I think this book really goes to that extent and draws you into that just that psychology, which I'm very appreciative of. You know, the more I can kind of get that through other mediums, I that just makes me. I feel like I'm closer now than I was before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, like it, uh, maybe, maybe, um, heightens your compassion or empathy for those situations or something because, um, I feel more, I, I don't feel like it's so, you know, cause it's, it's, you almost kind of feel fake after a while, but you're like, cause you're like, I'm not you. So I'll never understand right, right. This truly like this gets me. I'm, I'm never going to say, I know now what it, I, I, you know, I'll never jump to that conclusion, but I feel, I feel a little more comfortable in my empathy, you know, cause it's like, okay, I, right. I have a better, I have a better baseline now to, to make this feeling matter more. You well, know? there's, there's something so scary about, uh, the other thing that I, that the, like, I'm, you know, as I'm listening, to you talk about it and I'm looking, staring at this cover of the trade paperback, which by the way is terrifying. And that's and, that cover again, perfectly sums up. Yeah. Look at that cover. That is the book. It's not all in red. Um, I'll mm. talk about the illustration in a second, but go on. Sorry. But it's a, it's such a, it, like a, they've made, he has made a real horror story out of the advice. Don't feed the trolls. Yes. You know? And it's yeah. like, it's, this is, and it's a thing we can't avoid, but it's that like, you know, any of those like racist feelings towards neighbors or that xenophobia, you know, like no matter who, whom it's coming from, it's not necessarily about the power structure, about the individuals mistrusting each other and how that feeds the literal like demons in this book. That's a really well, guess, terrifying concept. A couple of times they do this wonderful thing where the metaphor goes even a step deeper. Like, you know, the demons will, inf will, will influence the main character to do something she didn't mean to do oh, or, or, or they'll influence the event in a way. And then somebody's watching and because she can see these demons, but nobody else can, somebody will misinterpret something she did and then draw, you know, and have even a, a more negative impression of her. And it's like, no, 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 you don't understand what's going on. So it's, it, it really, it, it, it bears multiple readings. Um, wow. 
but the I think just there are so this is more than. I want to be really careful and say, like, this is not like an SJW book. This is not like a social activism book. It incorporates a lot of the things that those people care about, but it is not. This is not one of those. This is a a horror story through and through. It just happens to be about these things and, and incorporates those themes really, really well. But not in a heavy. It's not heavy-handed. I didn't find it heavy-handed. Um, it, it's it's very organic. How it incorporates those themes is very organic to the story and the characters that it sets up, and so it's 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 um, just brilliant in that sensibility. I do want to talk real quick about the art. Yeah, I was just about to pivot you to that. Excellent. Um, art is very monochromatic. You know, they pick you know maybe two or three colors for each particular palette um, or page. You know, kind of page setup. What they do right out of the gate is uh, tease this idea of a nightmare. You know, so it starts off and you think she's having it. At first, you think she's having a nightmare. Later on, you, you may re, rethink that. But the color palette they use for her nightmare is, you know, like uh, you know, browns, you know, kind of a pale purple and a pale orange and black. You know, so it's kind of a very specific thing. When she's awake, the color palette is still mu- you know, muted, but it's like, you know, blues and maybe some greens and a lighter kind of sort of vibe. As the story progresses and she gets sucked further and further into that nightmare, what is considered, quote unquote, the real world's color will change to be what we saw in those first, those mm. first palettes. So it's almost like a color overture. You know, the first couple pages kind of introduce those themes. And if you pay attention, they'll, they'll come back again in an interesting way. So I really dig that. The actual illustrations, um, you know, very deliberately pen and pencil. Um, so it has that sort of rough journalistic kind of quality to it. Uh, not digital. Uh, mm. And that's good too, because the when they get to the entities, the entities almost have sort of a charcoal drawing kind of different, like he, he drew them very differently. Um, so they have a, the otherworldly aspect to them is, you know, makes them even more unsettling because you're used to this slightly more simplistic pencil, ink, you know, pencil uh, uh, pen drawing to introduce the main kind of the, the, the real world, the main characters, the normal world. Hmm. So yeah, I, uh, I can't, I can't embrace this enough. It had been on my list for a little while. And the fact that image put it out always, always, <laughs> give, I mean, just think about that for a second too. think about, I mean, a lot of people loved the, you know, early image, but it was very much, much meant to be, you know, it was, it was of its time. The early nineties was very exaggerated, very, you know, I, the early nineties in comics was very similar to the hairband era, you know, ha- you know, hair metal era of the late eighties. It was just kind of like just extreme everything. You might have a, a good Def Leppard song here and there, but it's not, you know, artistically, I don't think wasn't going for, you know, really meaty issues. And just to see what image is doing now, even after, five years of amazing releases just to see them continuing to up the stakes and up the creative ante and just tell deeper, more interesting stories. God damn. You know, yeah. like it's, if, if you would have gone back in time and shown someone this book within the first five years of image, they think you're like, you're insane. There's no way they're going to a, who the hell published this at all. B certainly was an image. And then here we are. Yeah. It also sounds like uh, that, that perfect mix of just from a comic book standpoint of, is certainly what I like, but but I, th- I think you you like as well, which is feeling like you can get this one arc and it is wrapped up. But if the creative team wanted to take this further, they probably could. Um, I will say on that, I'm glad you brought that up. This has been optioned for a movie. So, oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah, and they actually, and, and believe it or not, was optioned before the run was even done. I think wow. after uh, issue three, 
the they somebody snatched it up and well there, <laughs> there's that sticker on the front that says selected for NPR's 100 favorite horror stories of all time. That's pretty high. Which is, I mean, just I, I you know I, uh, I'm sure everybody has a list like that, but you know uh, of all time. This. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I wouldn't be surprised. On that same note, I wouldn't be surprised if this makes a lot of those, you know, fifty essential graphic novels for your like all of those kinds of yeah. lists. I'm sure this is going to be, you know, because it nails the topical stuff so well. So of course, but I think just as as people come to appreciate how well they wrap that metaphor around just good organic storytelling. Um, Again, it's like it's not like at any time somebody gets up and reads a speech about like you know oh woe is woe is you know woe is us Muslims it's like it's it, it's never that it is just purely a visceral horror story that just happens to be about this stuff. much again just like Get Out um, very it you can't there was nothing heavy hand in my opinion heavy handed about Get Out it just happened to nail that metaphor really 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 well yeah I, and which makes it all so much scarier. To yeah. um, to find yeah. the I mean you know the terror in reality and that thing of like one audience can read this as an analogy but another audience sees it as as a real life possible happenstance is like or you know possibilities is you know just oh man just yeah. awful that brings us full circle I mean, that's kind of how we said I'm uh, yeah <laughs> that bookend um that does it for this book Todd where can folks find us. Well, you can find us anywhere that great podcasts are listened to. So iTunes and Google Podcasts and Google Play and Stitcher and Podbean. I don't know. Any 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 major uh, podcasting outlet, just search for Panelism and we are there. You can also find us online at panelism.inc. That's correct. That is a new top-level domain that we have. And we are on Instagram as panelism.inc. And that's I-N-K, like what's used to color comic books. <laughs> and have a lot easier to remember than there.org and all of those. Oh, yeah. Are, you know. Taylor, that was an awesome pick. Um, Thanks, sir. Perfectly appropriate for the season of Halloween and also uh, politics. Ugh, election day. <laughs> election day. Well, thank you, sir. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>